to the Token and Hop Show on the Roads to Liberty Network. What's up, everybody? It's Friday night. You're riding with the road crew. This is the Token and Hop Show over the Roads to Liberty Network. I am your host, Token, joined as always with my fabulous co-host, Mr. Hobbs. What up, buddy? I see you have your Guinness. I have my Captain and Coke. I think we're ready for some action here. Let's get it started. Now, in case you guys can't tell already just by listening to me, I am dealing with a bit of an allergies issue. So my sinuses completely stuffed up. So if I'm sounding a little weird right now, that's why. Nebraska is not kind to me. I spent the entire winter trying to freeze me to death. Now it's trying to suffocate me. So this, this state obviously doesn't like me. It's trying to murder me in some horrific ways. But you know what? I'm stronger than it is, and I will survive. So let's get in to some Liberty Talk. But first, first we have some announcements today. Um, first announcement, a bonus episode is now up on our podcast. Uh, I had the privilege of getting to go to uh, see Dave Rubin at the University of Nebraska in Omaha last Wednesday. It was a... Was it last was, yes, it was last Wednesday. It was a very, very fun event. Uh, Turning Point USA put it on at UNO, and it was a good crowd. He talked for about an hour and had a Q&A session. It was a lot of fun. And after the presentation was finished, I got to – I met up with the guys from the Bread and Circus podcast over at Big Bell Media and also with Andrea Liberator from the Drunken Disorderly podcast, and we did kind of a live stream. It was a lot of fun. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and check it out. It's very cool because I got I got a couple buttons from there. I got a taxation is theft button. I was very surprised to see one of those at a turning point event because those guys are more conservative than libertarian. But hey, a taxation is theft pin. I'll take that. I also got a socialism sucks pin. I can see that in the style of a Bernie Sanders pin. I always liked these. I thought they were very cool. So socialism sucks. And taxation is that. I got those both at the event. Um, what I should have picked me up one. I should have. I should have. I should have. I should have told you that these were here. You know what? You come over here. I'll let you have one of these. I got a <laughs> pin stuck to my wall right now. So I don't need all these pins. You can have it. Um, what else are we doing? Oh, I will. This weekend, I am going to be a host on the Bread and Circus podcast hosted by Big Bill Media. I'm looking forward to that. We had Caleb Salvador on a few weeks ago as a guest host, and we did. We decided to do kind of a trade off. He would come on our show, and one of us would go on his show. So I'm going to be over there on Sun on uh, Saturday recording an episode, and that'll be up on Sunday for you guys to listen to. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Also. Big news, YouTuber and podcaster Matt Christensen is going to be on the show Tuesday night, 8 o'clock Central. This is I, I love, I'm a big fan of Matt Christensen's work. Uh, yep. He has a fantastic YouTube channel. He runs a great uh, podcast called, what is it called, Beauty and the Beta. <laughs> yep, Beauty and the Beta with a uh, other another uh, fairly well known YouTuber named uh, Blonde in the Belly of the Beast. Is that her full name? See, yeah, I that's looked her, it that's up. Her just, YouTube channel. I've never seen her YouTube channel, but they work pretty well with each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so that'll be on uh, Tuesday, 
at eight o'clock, eight o'clock central time. If anybody's not in the, in the, in the central time. So it's not going to be our normal Friday show Tuesday at eight bonus show. Yeah. So it's going to be a 30 minute episode because you know, the beta has limited time to, to talk to people apparently. And we were lucky enough to get him to come on our show. Very excited about that. I've been a fan of his YouTube channel for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to actually sitting down for a half hour, having a conversation. You know, picking into his mind a little bit. Because the guy is a recovering progressive. And you know what? Those are the best kind of people. People yep. who are recovering progressives. And now absolutely hate the left because, you know, it kind of sucks. It's something that a guy like me can never fully understand. Because as for myself, I'm a recovering conservative. So, we all have to come from somewhere, but I was never uh, in the belly of the beast, so to speak, when it comes to uh, leftist politics. I was, I was never on that side of the aisle. No, but you're a fan of his show, right? You've, you've yeah. listened to him. Yeah, I, I subscribed to him probably early last year, but I would every once in a while I'd see one of his videos pop up, and I was always impressed. He's got a very, he's got a very. Uh, a very good voice for for what he does. His editing skills are really good. He his writing skills are also just top notch. He gets his point across, and it's always just to the point, and really drives his point home. Absolutely, I gotta read uh, Carlos' comment here. Pollen is so bad, people are turning their meth back into Sudafed. No. <laughs> Not in Council Bluffs and not in Plattsmith or not. They they love their meth over there too much to turn it into anything else. If you guys don't live in the local area, you probably don't get that joke, but trust me, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Plattsmith is like Hillbilly Alley for Nebraska, at least in the uh, eastern part of the state. I don't you guys probably have Hillbilly alleys everywhere out in central Nebraska. I don't know. Yeah. And they count some bluffs in part of Iowa, and all of Iowa is Hillbilly Alley. So, I mean, that's just the part we get to pick on because, you know, screw Iowa. We don't like those guys. But, you know what? I took some decongestion. You know, I took some nasal spray. Hopefully, I'll sound better as the night progresses. I got my handy captain and Coke right here. That'll clear my sinuses up a little bit. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. If nothing else, you at least, you know, won't feel bad. <laughs> I still feel bad, just in a different way. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into the first topic we wanted to go over today. So, whenever a Democrat tells you that they have no intention of taking your guns or banning the Second Amendment, we've told you here multiple times, don't ever believe them. Because they're a bunch of filthy liars. That's exactly what they want to do. And case in point, there is an opinion piece written in USA Today by one Peter Funt. First of all, I'd like to point out that's a very funny name. All right? I am not above make, I am not too mature to make pe- fun of people's funny names. So Mr. David Funt <laughs> wrote an article titled, <clears throat> Camilla Harris Owns a Handgun. This this. That's disqualifying for a 2020 Democrat in my book. Hmm. Very interesting. They don't want to take your guns, but what they do want to do is disqualify you from serving in politics because you own a gun. So apparently that's something that 
I don't know, man. It seems kind of stupid to me on face value. But let's just let's let's go into this article just a little bit because it's full of awesomeness. And I want to share it with you because you guys that are listening are awesome and you deserve to hear this awesomeness too. So I'm just going to read a little I'm just going to read excerpts from this article. All right. At a time when Democrats are toughening their positions on gun control and seeking to make it a core issue in 2020, the California senator has conceded her personal relationship with guns is unique among major Democrats. She owns a handgun, a campaign aide told CNN. So first aside, there's nothing remarkable about owning a handgun. No, not in this country. I, it's like she owns a handgun. He, duh, duh, duh. Like this is a big deal. Like is this something that I'm supposed to be upset about? I'm yeah. not entirely sure, but apparently Camila Harris owns a handgun. Who knew? I wonder what other personal possessions she has in her. She she owns. <laughs> Probably. I don't know, probably a whole lot of uh, weed paraphernalia next to those Tupac CDs that she said that she listened to in college. She is a filthy, filthy liar. <laughs> yeah, filthy liar. Now, this is a, a, a part, a couple of paragraphs down, I'm looking at it right here, that just really strikes me as being at the crux of this whole argument. It says, Harris justified owning the gun by pointing out that, quote, I was a career prosecutor, end quote. She could have said, quote, dealing with dangerous criminals while serving as a district attorney in San Francisco, I felt compelled to have a handgun. After leaving that job, I disposed of the weapon, end quote. Now, to me, that there is really at the heart of the animal farm mentality that a lot of people on the left have where some or all animals are equal but some animals are more equal than others this person here is justifying that if kamala harris had said oh you know i was i was in a in a job in a position where a lot of people would have had it out for me because i put them in jail so i bought a gun to protect myself that would have been okay if she would have said but i got rid of it after i left that job so essentially what sh what the author is getting at here is like if you're a politician or a famous person it's okay to defend yourself but all you plebeians out there can just go pound sand that's not even what she's arguing because she she mr funt makes it very clear in his article that he doesn't believe that self-defense is a valid re that the fearing for one's life is not a valid reason to own a gun. I'll, I'll, I'll continue from where I was. It, it goes on, this underpublicized revelation comes as Harris is getting a lot of ink for being tough on guns. Her words are fine, but, the, but for a progressive like me, they are undermined by that handgun, that scary, scary handgun that I'm just pissing myself thinking about. And I can't be the only one who is disturbed. Keeping a handgun for personal safety is a bedrock conservative view. The best defense against a, quote, bad guy with the gun, unquote, the NRA falsely argues, is a, quote, good guy with the gun. Now, I want to stop right there and have a little bit of an aside. Because at this point, they quote, they, they, they cite another article. All right, I'm going to have to... Doo -doo 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 -doo. 
going to have to find it here. All right. It quotes an article from ABC News, and I'm going to read you a quote from it and tell you what I think. It says, the report found that in those five, in those five incidents, uh, these are incidents in which individuals... Oh, okay. These they're talking about incidents of shootings, all right. And the it's and I quote: the report found that in five of those incidents, armed individuals who were not members of law enforcement exchanged gunfire with the shooter, leading to either the shooter being killed, wounded, or taking his own life. Now, what they're trying to do here is point out that the number of times that a non-law enforcement citizen armed with a firearm stopped open fired on a shooter or a criminal and stop them with their gun is low. That's what they're trying to point to. And they're trying to use this as an argument to say that, look, guys, good guys with guns don't actually stop crimes. There's Here's a list of 200-some shootings, and only five of them were stopped by a good guy with a gun. Well, let's let's you know let's just point out the fact that I think it's like ninety six to ninety eight percent of all mass shootings take place in gun free zones. So the fact that there were even five mass shootings stopped by good guys with guns is, uh, you know, out of two five out of two hundred, yeah, that's about ninety six to ninety eight percent. Imagine my shock, right? Obviously. But this is an example of cherry-picking facts because there's a couple things they don't take into account here. One, in this instance, now we're going to get back to this later, but in this instance, they're not counting law enforcement as good guys with guns. So, okay, aside, if, if law enforcement is stopping a mass shooting, I think that qualifies as a good guy with a gun. I would say so. Yeah. So, I don't understand why you wouldn't count that towards the good guys with guns stopping a shooting. All right, if you if you if you're gonna, I don't understand why you wouldn't count that. Secondly, it's amazing to me that they that they're only counting instances where the defend the the individual defending themselves actually sh- actually used the firearm. See, here's the thing about it. They, they, they didn't they didn't make stopping an active shooter or preventing further crime as an option here. It was only killing wound killing wounding or causing the shooter to take their own life. Most of the time, when you when you brandish a firearm in self defense, that alone will be enough to deter a criminal. Right. We don't need to shoot. At someone in most cases, you don't need to hit them. You don't need to kill them or wound them or cause them to commit suicide to get them to stop doing whatever it is that you're shooting at them for. You know, just the mere fact that you have a gun and you're pointing it at someone will more times than not deter them from committing a crime. That should count as a, quote, good guy with a gun stopping a shooting. But for whatever reason, and I I suspect that the reason is because they want to cherry-pick information and come out with the outcome that they prefer, but for whatever reason, uh, they don't they don't decide to count that. They don't right. they don't apparently don't see that as valid. 
Right. The uh, CDC has for a very long time been on the anti-gun side of the argument. And when they put out their gun death statistics at the end of every year, they they are trying to lump in things like uh, suicides and even police shootings as uh, gun deaths. When you take out police police use of firearms and you take out uh, suicides, those numbers get cut down to one third. I think it's, I think it's uh, 60,000 or 30,000 people die from a bullet every year in the United States, but 20,000 of those are suicides. And when you cut those down to about 10,000 people a year, and then the majority of those are uh, in inner city areas and are typically related to uh, gang on gang warfare or something along the, the drug war. So the real number of people who are killed in homicides that don't involve, you know, gang warfare is actually really small. It's, it's a couple of thousand. Uh, so the CDC wanting to finally put the argument to bed a few years ago, tried to do a study in which they tried to figure out how many times law-abiding citizens with guns defend themselves from a violent crime. And it's really hard to determine that actual number because, as you said, you don't have to shoot or kill your assailant in order for it to be a defensive gun use. If somebody walks up to you in the street, pulls a knife and says, give me your wallet, and you make a motion like you're about to draw your pistol and he runs away, that's a defensive gun use. Somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night and you rack the pump on your 12 gauge and they head for the hills, that's a defensive gun use. Uh, if somebody's banging on your front door drunk, wanting to hurt you in the middle of the night, and you yell, I have a gun. Even if you don't have a gun, the threat of the gun being there, in my mind, is a defensive gun use. So the CDC came back with their numbers. It's really hard to get the actual number because if you don't actually have to pull your gun or brandish your gun to stop the crime, why would you report anything like that? So the CDC, and they're on the low end, they say that an estimated 100,000 defensive gun uses a year. And on the high end, they say it could be as many as two and a half to three million. So if you're looking at on the high end of gun deaths in America being 60,000, and that's with suicides and police involved shootings lumped into it, compared to 100,000 to two and a half million, I'd say that that's a case shut right there, but they don't want to, you know, they don't want to concede that point. No, and why would they? Because that completely demolishes the gun control argument they're using. And the only thing they have, they ever, they always point to, to mass shootings as the the reason we need more gun control. Yes, mass shootings are up, but overall violent crime is is down, and has been going down for decades now. Right, it's been at an almost forty five degree angle downward, downward trend since uh, the mid nineties. Yeah, it has been. And you know what? You're right. Defensive use of guns saves a lot of lives and stops a lot of crime every single year. And examples like this of cherry-picking information in order to come up with a better conclusion for your side of the bait is just completely ridiculous. I want to read a little bit more here. It goes on. By contrast, 21 of the 160 incidents ended 
after unarmed citizens safely and successfully restrained the shooter, the report says. Most of the time, if you're talking about civilians stopping a mass shooter, it's an unarmed guy without a gun because they're right there. Again, I want to point out that this fails to take into account that simply brandishing a gun could in and of itself and many times does stop a shooting or a crime in progress. And if it did and you didn't wound to kill the guy, these studies wouldn't count that. Nope. So your numbers are already completely skewered out of reality. They're not matching actual numbers. All right, so I want to point that out, that the very way that these numbers are calculated are done in such a way to skewer the numbers in favor of what the, peop the people making this argument already want. Um, it, I don't know, man. It, it's completely ridiculous. I, I, I'd also like to point out how many individuals who have been the victims of shootings who were who may have been inclined to fight back weren't able to do so successfully because they didn't have the proper means to do so now reminded of a teacher during the parkland shooting who held his body in front of students defending them from bullets raining through a door how much more successful would he have been if he had the proper means of self-defense. Right. And uh, the what was it, 21 that you said out of the 200 or whatever, that it was an unarmed person, like tackling the gunman to the ground? How much easier would it have been to pull a gun and either return fire or, you know, I have you, you know, face down asshole? You know, yeah, how... A gun is a useful tool in these situations, and they'll always bring up the argument that you know turning turning a mass shooting into a two way range isn't isn't going to solve anything. Or what if you hit an innocent bystander? Or that what, is or, the most retarded argument ever. I, I, I hate I, hearing people say that. I, I know it's like you know if 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 bad guy with gun walks into a restaurant and starts indiscriminately killing people, and I pull my sidearm and I shoot him but I also hit one innocent bystander, you know, the five people that he killed before I got to him, plus the one person that I accidentally hit is a lot better than the, you know, 20, 25, 30, however many other people he would have killed if I wouldn't have had one at all. This, this, this is an argument that if taken to its logical conclusion, it is, is, is an argument that only a pacifist could make. And I don't think that most of these people making this argument are actually pacifists. I no. think they're just anti-gun and they're clinging to whatever argument is convenient for the time. Because if you really take this to its logical conclusion, it really says that nobody for anywhere for any reason should use guns defensively. Right. Like, oh, cops shouldn't have guns. The military shouldn't have guns. You, nobody should be able to use any sort of self-defense at all because you might accidentally hurt a bystander in the process of defending yourself and others like if someone breaks into your home you're, you're not supposed if, if you grab a gun to, to fight back against an intruder oh that's a bad thing because you might actually hit accidentally hit someone so what you should do instead is just let that guy murder you at his leisure without making any attempt at all to fight back 
Right. Like right. Any and, sort of self-defense is, is out of the question, according yeah. to this argument. Yeah, and I and I hate to to reduce human life to a simple numbers game of, you know, one innocent bystander is better than, you know, 20 additional victims. But at the end of the day, that's what you have to do when you're when you're dealing with somebody making that argument. And it's I think it was uh, Stefan Molyneux who made the argument that the people who are trying to ban guns are not actually anti-gun. They're very pro-gun. They're just very pro-gun in the hands of a select few because you're going to need men with guns in order to enforce the gun control measures that you're trying to push. So you're not anti-gun, you're pro-gun. You just want the guns to be in the hands of the state who has a track record of being just so virtuous and honest, right? Right. And I, I want to point something out in, in this article that was very, very just, it was bad. Like, here's, here's, here's what the article then goes on to do. It then goes on to point to instances where a good guy with a gun failed to stop a shooting. The first One of the first ones they point out is the Sutherland Springs shooting. Now, you remember that one as the one that was stopped by a good guy with a gun. Right. Or you may, or you may not remember that one because it was in the news for all of ten seconds before they buried it when they found out what happened. Exactly. He tries to he tries to say this that because the guy did not get to the massacre before it occurred, or as as it was occurring, and this is an this is not an instance of a good guy with a gun stopping a massacre. But here's the thing about it: the shooter was in the process of leaving that location to continue his killing spree. Right. And in route was stopped by an armed citizen. Here's the thing. This is an opportunity cost issue here because we don't know how many more people may have died if that man right. were allowed to simply go on killing. We don't know. All we know is the number of people who did die. We don't know the number of people who are alive right now at this second because of this hero went and got a gun from his house and stopped a shooter. But this right. article wants to make it seem that he didn't save any lives, he didn't stop any massacres, he didn't do anything worthwhile by stopping a mad psychopath from getting to his left location and shooting up and shooting it up. It wants to make it wants to use this as an example of a good guy with a gun failing to stop a shooting. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. It makes no the sense to do this. The only the only thing that the guy that uh, responded to that shooting is guilty of is not being psychic. He didn't know exactly. that some nutcase was going to come in and shoot up a church. And if I remember correctly, he was barefoot in his backyard doing some gardening when he heard the shots go off. And he ran into his house, told his daughter to call 911 and get him some magazines. And he grabbed his rifle and grabbed a few magazines and ran outside barefoot to confront a guy who had just shot a bunch of elderly people in a church. And when that guy walked out of that church door and was met with a wall of bullets, he jumped in his truck and sped off. And now this barefoot first responder flags down a guy passing through, didn't know the guy. They didn't know each other. He just, you know, he just sees a barefoot guy with an AR standing in the middle of the street, obviously like you know stops and he's like what he's like chase that car he just killed a bunch of people and the guy like didn't even question he's just like okay and so they sped off together and uh they ended up uh the uh, first responder had actually hit 
the guy and he bled out and drove his vehicle off of the road and he sat there for I think five minutes with a rifle trained on this vehicle on the side of the road waiting for the cops to show up. So you're absolutely right. We don't know how many additional lives were saved that day because a neighbor had a gun and responded as any normal person in this country should respond. And the thing about it is nobody knows who would be who would be dead today if he didn't do that. Not even the people because we don't know where he was headed to next. Exactly. This is a perfect example of a good guy with the gun saving lives. And they want to make this sound like an example of a good guy with the gun failing to save lives. It's a complete denial of reality. And the next point I wanted to talk about is, is more cherry-picking information. Because you remember before I, I told you that they weren't counting police stopping shootings or crimes with guns as, quote, good guys with guns stopping crime. They weren't counting law enforcement. They then go on, in, in, in a this is a list of, of good guys with guns who fail to stop shootings. In this list, now they want to count police because they point to the Parkland shooting and the fact that the Parkland Police Department failed to do their jobs and enter that school to stop a mass shooting in progress. Right. Now, we... It was absolutely disgusting on the part of the Parkland police that they failed to do their job. But now, now when it's convenient for the gun control argument, now you want to count cops as good guys with guns only when there's an example of one failing to do their job. But all right. the times when they stop crimes with guns, those don't count as good guys with guns stopping crime. But when they fail, that's an example of good guy with a gun failing. So it only counts towards failure. Success doesn't count, though. No, that's and that's just cherry-picked statistics. If the left didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. Ooh, that's strong. I need some more. <laughs> that's the thing about it, man. It's 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 it pisses me off to see this sort of thing. It's intellectual dishonesty at its worst. But see, we. We're just focusing. This is just one of the sources that Mr. What was it? Bert? Funt. Funt. This is just one of the sources he was using to back his argument. Like, oh, we need more. Go Camilla Harris is disqualified as a 2020 presidential candidate because she owns a handgun. Here's one of my sources. And we've just been picking apart that source this entire time because it's just a a perfect example of cherry-picked information that you take out of context in order to make your argument sound better. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I do want to get back to the actual article that we were talking about. Right. And this right. is a USA Today article, so I'm willing to bet that in the next few days you're going to have uh, Kamala Harris virtue signal where she comes out and, like, destroys her gun on camera the way that uh, a lot of people did after do after these shootings, which is essentially like a man castrating himself to stop a rape. You know? Yeah. It's, something it's always, something right. tells me that Kamala Harris's gun is not going to be used in the commission of a crime unless it's stolen, in which case that's a moot point. You know, it's not her committing the crime. So, you know, if, if you're if you have no intention or no inclination to break the law, then the fact that you could own a hundred thousand guns and it's not going to matter you know it's it's not the it's not the gun owners by default 
you know, a gun isn't some magical totem that's going to turn you into a psychopath. It's, it's, what? <laughs> you know, there's, it's not whispering in my ear to murder children or anything. It's just a chunk of wood and steel and plastic and aluminum that sits in the corner until I decide to use it. Man, you just blew a whole bunch of gun control dudes' minds with that statement right there. You mean to tell me that owning a gun doesn't make you a raving schizophrenic, schizophrenic where the gun is literally whispering in your head, telling you to do horrible, nasty things to people? Nope. No, nope. sorry. Oh, my God. Sorry, no. the, voice, the voices in my head that I hear are manufacturers of my own brain. <laughs> Or they're the or they're the the CIA trying to get to me, man. That's why you should always wrap your head in tin foil. Exactly. That's what this hat is made out of. It may look like a regular ball cap, but it's actually tin foil. Yep. True story. Yep. That's how we roll. Absolutely. Okay. What were we talking about? We were talking about Camilla Harris and how she is now disqualified as a presidential candidate because she owns a handgun. That evil witch. How well, dare yeah. she? Yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of that old saying, uh, not to interrupt your enemies while they're making a mistake. So if the left wants to eat their own and disqualify Kamala Harris from the presidential race, then uh, you know by all means, you know, cannibalize away. But uh, we're intellectually honest here, and we play devil's advocate. So let's just keep on keeping on. I mean, it's just it's this isn't something someone should be getting shit for owning a handgun. No. There is nothing special about owning a handgun. Nope. It's it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you uh you know disqualify you from any position. Like okay, so Camilla Harris owns a handgun. So what? I mean, I own a shelf full of books. That's about that's that's, that's almost as special as owning a handgun. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a personal possession. Who cares? Apparently Peter Funt cares and thinks that she's not they're not qualified to be president because of it. Now, wouldn't it be funny? We were talking about how, you know, people were destroying weapons, their own personal weapons to stop crime. Now, wouldn't it be great if she, like, tried to destroy it and just, like, made an illegal weapon as a response? as a result you remember that, that yeah that happened that was a gal that was running for congress up in one of the northern states like minnesota or michigan or something ended up trying to destroy her husband's ar and ended up just making a short barrel rifle or something yeah which is a felony you can't yeah. do that just chop chop the barrel right in half and a lot of people pointed out it's like uh you didn't actually destroy the gun but you did make an illegal SBR, and then they reported her to the ATF, and the ATF, a bunch of cocksuckers they are, decided not to do it, not to do anything about it. It's like, oh, it's an honest mistake, you know, dirty door. So stupid, so stupid. It would be hilarious if Camilla Harris did something like that, accidentally yeah. committed a felony because she was virtue signaling about guns. Well, it's California. She's probably accidentally committing a felony by breathing right now. Probably. She's not paying a tax on that breathing. So, I mean... Yeah, not offsetting her carbon footprint to the Church of Al Gore. All right. Now, getting back to the article, here's a little bit more of it. While progressives support the legal reforms Harris advocates, they also seek a shift in gun culture. Uh, I don't think progressives need... I don't think progressives uh, need any more shift in gun culture. Those guys are pretty pretty anti-gun already. I don't, I don't think anything that progressive politicians say is going to shift 
conservatives and libertarians from our gun stances. So good no. luck with that. Um, no, if anything, it's just going to widen the widen the gap, the polarization gap. In this. And there's there's nothing that I can think of off the top of my head that is more polarizing and more apt to lead to an actual violent exchange than gun rights in this country. Absolutely. All right. Uh, from the article, Camilla Harris doesn't seem to have the courage to concede that owning a handgun for protection is a bad idea. Instead, she has given voters a real choice. Back candidates who care enough about gun control to not own handguns or support the only major Democratic contender who has one and won't throw it away. Uh, so, Mr. Hobbs, do you own a handgun by any chance? I own about a dozen handguns. And have any of those handguns ever, I don't know, sprouted legs, started walking around your house, shooting random things? Anything like that ever happened? Nope. Although I do own some pretty old ones. You know, who knows what they did in their former life. <laughs> and have you ever, uh, I don't know, picked up one of these handguns and just started shooting wildly, randomly, just hitting everything and anything? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but maybe, I, but in your out, own house. Yeah, I live out in the country, or used to live out in the country where you can get away with doing that, but uh, no. I know, I know what you mean, and, and no, it's, you know. So th this article is trying to tell me that owning a handgun is a bad idea. Would you say that it's been a bad idea for you? It doesn't sound like you've suffered any negative consequences as a result of this, except maybe to your wallet. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing that, that gets hurt is my bank account because of my gun ownership. It's truly amazing, girl. Oh, she doesn't seem to want to admit that owning a handgun is a bad idea. Now this, here's the thing about this. It's the left, especially this, the progressive left, which is where this guy is coming from, that is always talking constantly, without fail, about privilege, right? Is these guys that are always talking about privilege. How privileged of a position do you have to be in? where you never actually fear for your safety, you actually don't have any concerns for your safety whatsoever, and you, you, you make the argument that everyone else, everyone else must be in the same position as you. No one fears for their lives. No one might want to own a handgun for self-defense. That's just irrational. That's just silly. Guns are bad. They make your life miserable. No one should own one of these things. This is the definition of a privileged argument. You yeah. are safe. Wherever you are, Mr. Peter Flunk, or whatever the hell your name is, you are safe. You are not being bothered by gangs. You are not being bothered by criminals. You are not working behind the counter of a gas station where some dude with a shotgun might come in and try to rob your store. You are not some woman walking home from work in the middle of the night down a dark alley who might want the uh, protection of a handgun. You might want a little bit of peace of mind that comes with owning the means of defending yourself. Because you, Mr. Peter Fluck, don't need to defend yourself. 
you freaking idiot. Other people do. Other yep. people might need that peace of mind. Other people might need to actually draw a gun in defense of their own lives. The fact that you don't is irrelevant. All right? So shut up. You don't yep. know a goddamn thing about any of this. You're just some whiny, bitchy progressive who doesn't know a goddamn thing about guns. Who doesn't know a goddamn thing about any of this. You're just a sycophant who, th who wants to rule everyone else's lives and doesn't take a second thought into why people might want to own a handgun. Even Camilla Harris. Oh, look, a prosecutor going after dangerous criminals might want a handgun. Oh, a senator who's like constantly in the, 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 the crosshairs of political opponents. I mean, just a couple of years ago, we had a fucking Bernie Sanders supporter go to a baseball field and shoot up a bunch of Republican senators. What do you mean politicians may not want to defend their own lives from crazy wackos who want to murder them? And you're just going to sit here and judge someone for owning a handgun? You know what? Fuck you. Yep. Yep. And uh, it, it, you're right. It does. It comes from a very a very privileged position where a person can just automatically assume that the police are always going to be close enough at hand or private security is always going to be close at hand or personal security like a, a private bodyguard is always going to be there it's it's really indicative of the left's culture at large of shifting the onus of personal responsibility onto someone else that is at the bedrock of their entire life uh their entire philosophy is that you don't need to take responsibility for yourself some higher authority is the one that needs to be looking out for you and uh, as an aside, I'd also like to point out, this just popped into my head, that for a group of people that are always poo-pooing the, the, the original intent behind the Second Amendment of being able to stand up to your government and always say things like, ha, ha, you can't stand up to drones and tanks with your AR-15, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I love that argument. They... They sure do seem to shit their pants over the mere thought of citizens owning a handgun. You know, it's like, which argument are you trying to make? Are handguns and ARs and AKs and modern firearms so dangerous and, and so deadly that we need to restrict their ownership universally? Or are they just pea shooters that are of little consequence and you're a, a paranoid tinfoil hatter for thinking that the second amendment applies in current year current year my friends you know it's those fully semi-automatic rifles that we really need to watch out for those those are dangerous you can't have fully semi-automatic rifles on the street man who knows, who knows what criminals might do with those i mean it's just anarchy out there man we wish so that's that's basically what I have to say about this abortion of an article from the USA Today. Remember, Mr. Peter Funk? <laughs> Took up a full 45 minutes. 
It did, because this fucking thing is absolutely ridiculous. You know, this is what happens when I get two drinks in me. I start cursing and ranting and going all crazy. I think the show is actually better this way, though. Yeah, I do, too. If anybody wants to read the article for themselves, we didn't actually read the whole thing uh, word for word. I would suggest going to usatoday.com. And I don't know how you would find it. Uh, there's a search option. I'll post. I mean, I'll post it in the show notes and also to our Facebook page, Road to Liberty. Give it a like, guys. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and, and do that if you haven't already. Um, but uh, you can go ahead and go there and and read it for yourselves and get everything in context. Ooh. All right. I, what else were we going to talk about today? Um. Uh, one of the things, kind of uh, a good segue into a, a related topic, is old uh, Eric Duke Nukem Swalwell was kind of back in the back, not necessarily in the news, but uh, got on Twitter and, and beclowned himself again. Uh, remind me who this guy is, because the name sounds very familiar. Uh, Eric Swalwell is one of the 200,000 Democrats running for president right now. He's one of the... the oh, well, low, well, that narrows it down considerably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's one of the low-tier ones, but he kind of became infamous a few months ago when uh, he was talking about uh, confiscating firearms in America and uh, Joe Biggs, who uh, used to work for InfoWars and he does his own thing now, he said, uh, looks like Eric Swalwell wants a war because that's how you would get a war in this country. And Swalwell replied to Mr. Biggs by saying, yes, and it would be a short war, my friend, because the government has nuclear weapons. So essentially, a member of the House of Representatives threatened to drop nuclear weapons on recalcitrant gun owners in the United States. So if that is not insane enough for you, a few days ago, Mr. Swalwell got back on Twitter and uh, said something to the to the tune of. Let me pull it up here real quick. I got it. I got it saved in meme format that's uh, the best format by the way it, it really is it's he said quote nra twitter is losing its mind with how is swalwell going to take guns from law-abiding owners spoiler i'm not i'm organizing with the moms and students and we're going to change the law weapons of war will be no more hashtag ban and buy back Hashtag end gun violence, end quote. So that was oh, his that was his little tweet. What about, a hot take that was. Exactly. That, how that, are they gonna take guns from legal citizens? Ah, we're just gonna make you illegal citizens. That's exactly. how we'll do it. There are a hundred million legal gun owners in the United States, and if you know you can't be a law-abiding gun owner if owning a gun is illegal. That's his his thought process right there. He's just moving the goalposts and damn the consequences. You know, if you want to criminalize over a hundred million people overnight by passing some stupid law because you're too chicken shit to deal with the fact that there are gun owners in the world and they may pose a threat to your 
delusions of tyranny, then you just, you know, just move those goalposts, put your shoulder to it and push, I guess, is is his line of thought. Yeah, it's the very fact that this guy thinks it'd be a good idea to nuke gun owners. <laughs> Let's just say all the gun owners in America rose up in revolt because you passed some stupid gun owner law. What do you get? You're going to nuke Texas? You get what? You're gonna nuke your own country to stop gun owners, right? Uh, if if we didn't nuke Vietnam or North Korea, we're not gonna nuke fucking Kansas. Exactly, and <laughs> you out of I your was, mind. I was just about to say something along the those exact same lines. Is the fact that that the entire point of wanting to be a tyrant is in order to rule over something worth ruling over. You know, you're not going to put a tank round through the 22nd story of a building because a sniper is up there picking your guys off. The entire point of wanting to rule over the United States with an iron fist is because the United States is the most prosperous and powerful nation on planet Earth. If you glass this country, you rule over ashes, you absolute fucking knob. <laughs> the 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 stupidity of 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 people like this or maybe it's not stupidity maybe maybe it's it's just unbridled ambition is blinding people like this to exactly what are going to be the consequences of the the policies that they're putting out because i'm at a loss for words no it's i think it's stupidity because if you would say, even if if you're like, a, say you're a Frank Underwood type character, you wouldn't say nonsense like this because you're too conniving to say stupid shit like that. You know, you're too smart. You 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 know that that's just gonna be a meme, which you know it is. It is um, to you know, to say that oh, it would be a short war because we have nukes. That's stupid. That's pure stupidity. You're not thinking things through. You're not thinking, oh, look, look, all these rural people, we'll just nuke them all. Oh, we don't have any food because we nuked all the food producing states. Damn it. Now all the yeah. people in New York and Los Angeles are going to starve to that. Whoops. But at least they're not going to die of gun violence. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Yes, because getting shot to death makes you extra dead. It sure does, my friend. It sure does. So, yeah, there's that nonsense. We've just been talking guns this whole time. We haven't even gotten to to Joe Biden deciding to jump in the race finally. Creepy Uncle Joe. Creepy Mr. Uncle. Mr. Hair Sniffer himself. He's, <laughs> he's finally done it. He's running for president to the surprise of absolutely no one. Yeah, yeah. That's... Uh, unfortunately, between him and Bernie Sanders, I think it's going to come down to a Biden-Sanders runoff because with Kamala Harris being disqualified due to owning owning a gun and uh, Beto O'Rourke made his millions and fell off the map and Cory Booker is too busy fighting for his life in the, in the arena to put much into <laughs> Because <laughs> he is Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Yeah, he's too, too too busy fighting in the Coliseum to campaign much that I've seen. You know, everybody else is just kind of, I think, 
out to make a few hundred thousand to a few million dollars in campaign money. Bernie and Biden, I think, are the only two that are really in it to win it. It's it's hilarious to me how all this stuff is just kind of falling off of Biden's shoulders. Like it's not sticking to him. That's the thing about it. it's not it's it's he cannot there cannot be anyone less like Donald Trump than Joe Biden. But all this crap is just it's not it's sliding right off of him, just like it would to Donald Trump. Right. It's but funny. It's it's sliding off of Biden in a completely different way. Donald Trump, everything that they throw at him fails to stick because he's shameless about any <laughs> yeah. wrongs that he's that he's done. Biden, nothing is sticking to him because he's got the entire academic and media machine carrying his water for him. Yep. I was just about to say that. The reason nothing's gonna stick to Joe Biden, they will all these all this stuff about me too and principles about being progressive and we need more minority and women representation. Ah all that's gonna go right out the window because you have this old white guy who wants to be president. It's but isn't it hilarious? Just think about this for a second. The Democrats have been absolutely obsessed about gender and race and sexuality and all this stuff for years. And who are the two guys that are leading this primary? There are two old white guys. Just that's hilarious to me. Yeah, you've got absolutely a, hilarious. You got a you've got an empty suit and an octogenarian communist. So what does that then, tell you about the Democratic Party? And then you got Mr. Beto O'Rourke that just likes standing on things. Uh, he made a lot. He did a lot of money. Who knows what he's going to do in the future? You got uh, Native American herself, whoa, Elizabeth Warren, who's out there making smoke signals, trying to get people's attention. <laughs> Mr. Spartacus in the ring. He's fucking killing people. He's fucking, I'm Spartacus. Are you not entertained? All that. No one's paying attention to him. Um, Camila Harris is disqualified because he owned a gun. Tulsi Gabbard is getting no attention whatsoever yeah. because, she, unlike everybody else, she's actually anti-war. Yeah. Yeah, you can't have that. I was going to say, Tulsi Gabbard, I think, would be the only person that could pose a threat to Donald Trump because she actually has principled, she has principled points that she stands on. She makes them eloquently. She's a woman of color. She's good-looking. Uh, she... She isn't playing the identity politics game despite being a whammon of color. Uh, whammon. Uh, isn't she also a veteran? Yeah, she she is. She's she's a veteran too. So she's got all of these all of these great bullet points underneath so her resume, and the media is burying her. I mean, here's here's the thing about it. I'm I'm not a Tulsi guy. Out of all the Democrats, she's probably the only one that I could possibly stomach because she's really 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 good on the biggest thing that's important to me and that's not murdering foreigners that's a pretty big deal to me and she's really good on that so awesome to her you know a lot of other democrats they, they every once in a while they'll mention something about it. like bernie sanders like oh oh yeah and i'm also anti-war now back to the socialism yeah. but to her that's like front and center that's her thing which is awesome and they're yeah. burying her. They're, they're giving her absolutely no attention for it. But the thing about it is, and I've said this, I'm, I've said this in relation to libertarian candidates who might be on the debate stage in 2020. God, I hope 
So, but I've said it before. One of the reasons I dislike Bill Weld so much is because he would get murdered on the debate stage with Donald Trump. He does not have the toughness points necessary to stand toe to toe with Donald Trump. Like a guy like Larry Sharp would, because yeah. he's a Marine and he'd, he'd fucking murder Donald Trump because he's actually tough as opposed to the faux Trump, faux tough that Trump is. But Gabbard's a veteran too, so maybe she would have the toughness necessary to beat Trump in a debate. But I'm trying to look at the rest of the field. Um, who else would be? Who else is going to be able to go up on stage with Donald Trump and out troll him and out tough him? Uh, Bernie Sanders doesn't have a killer instinct. He wouldn't go after Hillary Clinton in the primaries. He didn't have no. a killer instinct. Uh, Elizabeth Warren would be absolutely eviscerated by Donald Trump. That would be absolutely hilarious to see that happen. Joe Biden, yeah, no, he's not going to do anything. He, he, it's he didn't have any toughness in him. Cory Booker, Cory Booker would make a big show out of it, but everyone would know it's a show because he's a big fat phony. Beto O'Rourke is the Jeb Bush of the Democratic Party. He's he's got nothing. He's an empty suit, just like Jeb Bush was. So who? Who the hell do the Democrats have that actually has the toughness necessary to go up against Trump and win? Just Tulsi. Just Tulsi. And, and and they're and they're burying her for whatever reason. For the for the same reasons that they buried uh, Bernie Sanders in 2016, they've got their candidate in mind and. They're playing the long game. I honestly, the more I think about it, I honestly think that even the Democrats know that they can't beat Trump in 2020. So what they're doing is they're pushing the furthest left candidates that they can and trying to shift the Overton window and playing the long game. You know, we know we can't beat him in 2020. We won't have to worry about him in 2024 because he'll have two terms under his belt. Let's just shift the public perception in the Overton window a little bit further left and play our cards in 2024. So here's the thing. I don't even necessarily think that's true because I see a civil war in the Democratic Party going on right now. you got a plethora of hardcore progressives running. I mean, there's almost all of them at this point are these hardcore progressives who are going to try, try to out-left each other, right? Yeah. And then you got... Joe Biden and Beto O'Rourke representing the establishment Democrats. Right. You know, the, the Democrats that have been in charge for years, ever since I've been old enough to pay attention to politics. These are the establishment choices. You know, in the same way that, you know, you can kind of compare it to the 2016 Republican primary. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard would kind of be the Rand Paul just kind of pushed to the side and ignored. Uh, Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush would be kind of the the Beto O'Rourke and the Joe Biden examples. What they're really missing is a Donald Trump. I don't yeah. see a Donald Trump running in the Democratic Party right now. There's no equivalent to him. Bernie Sanders is the closest to that that populist person that really gets a lot of energy in a large base but even he i don't think compares to 2016 trump um and you're right there is there is a civil war brewing within the democrat party and uh to kind of mesh it with my 
my previous statement about shifting the Overton window. I think that the uh, the Betos and the Bidens are kind of the uh, last gasp of the old school business Democrats to not only hang on to relevancy, but also to make sure that the Democratic Party doesn't shift so far left that it turns off those uh, center left Democrats that really make up the majority of people that vote Democrat. You know, you got you do have your your very rabid, very loud, squeaky wheel progressive left wing of the Democratic Party. But the overwhelming majority of your Democrats are going to be your center left moderates, you know, people who aren't fucking insane. And if they know that if they if they shift things too left too fast, those center left are going to go more center and they're going to, you know, claw on to somebody like uh, Rand Paul, who has a lot of overlap with that center left demographic by being anti-war, pro-drug legalization and things like that, more than they're going to shift left and go over somebody like a, an AOC or something. So by, by putting Beto and Biden at the forefront, even artificially, by pumping them up with PAC money, uh, they're saying, hey, you know, we're still trying to appeal to that center base, but by also giving a spotlight to people like uh, Bernie Sanders' you know, crazy ramblings and AOC and people like that, they're also saying, but this is the direction we eventually want to head to. Yeah, I think it's important for everyone to remember, Joe Biden raised $6.3 million in his first day, but... That was from 96,000 unique donors. Bernie Sanders raised just a little bit. I think it was 6.1 with two over 200,000. So we might end up, and only only time can tell, because I don't think Joe Biden is going to end up like Jeb Bush did. You know, but it is very important to remember that Joe Biden made a lot, made a little bit more money on a lot fewer donors than Bernie Sanders did. Bernie Sanders is definitely the populist candidate here. Joe Biden is the moderate candidate. We'll see who wins out in that race. And it's going to be so entertaining to see this unfold. I can't wait to see these people start to eviscerate each other. It's already start kind of started even before Joe Biden joined the race, but it's going to pick up speed. I can't wait to see it happen. Um, looks like we're out of time. Damn it. But, you know, we can only talk for so long before people get bored with our voices. And you know what? My sinus is need to rest. This is too yeah. much for me. Yeah. I'm sure we could probably go longer and people wouldn't mind. But, yeah, an hour, hour format's a, a good place, good place to end it. But – Let's leave it up to the people. If they want to have longer shows, let's let them chime in on it. If they want to have longer shows, they got to make them themselves because I'm not going any longer. <laughs> all right. I'll, That's I'll... what the free market is all about. Okay. Remember, everybody, Roast to Liberty, like our Facebook page. It's awesome. We just we just passed 4,000 likes. Very big milestone. I'm very happy about that. Lots of good memes go up there every single day. It's awesome. It's the best. You're going to love it. Uh, remember to check out our bonus episode. Just went up on the Road to Liberty SoundCloud account. It's wherever you get your podcast, you'll probably find it there. That we, I did that with uh, the, the 
Brandon Circus podcast, guys, and then Andrea Liberator from Drunken Disorderly. That was fun. Uh, also, remember, Tuesday night, Matt Christensen coming on the show. It's going to be awesome. Yep. Uh, we have Instagram. We have Twitter, though I never post to Twitter because I don't really like Twitter. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, which I'm starting to actually get better at loading these videos up to it. So check that out. Um, any, anything else, Hobbs, before we leave? I think we, we had a pretty good show tonight. I'll leave it up to everybody else to determine whether or not that's true. If you guys like two drink token better than one drink token, let me know and I will make that a reality. I do not mind drinking more on the show to make you guys happy because it makes me happy too. Uh, remember, the website is roads, the number two, liberty.com. This is the Roads to Liberty podcast. You have a good night, everybody. Stay classy, America.